Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Review RN. Last week, I started our discussion on kidney stones. I discussed the different types of kidney stones, and if you remember back, a kidney stone is a solid mass made up of tiny crystals. One or more stones can be in the kidney or ureter at the same time, and there are several kinds of kidney stones. Calcium stones are by far the most common. They often form in men between the ages of 20 to 30, And calcium can be combined with other substances found in your food, such as oxalate, phosphate, or carbonate to form stones. Cysteine stones can form in people who have cysteinuria, a genetic condition passed down through families in which stones are made from an amino acid called cysteine, which is found in excess in the filtrate of the urine. Struvite stones are found mostly in women who have urinary tract infections very frequently. These stones can grow very large and can block the kidney, ureter, or bladder. Uric acid stones are more common in men than in women, and they can occur in people who have a history of gout or are going through chemotherapy. So today, I'm going to talk about how kidney stones are formed and the risk factors that are associated with the development of kidney stones. It may seem kind of silly that I'm breaking these podcasts up into several different episodes, but for nursing students specifically, it's easy to go back and find what you need to review rather than having a 30-minute or an hour-long podcast. So I think it's helpful to split these up and kind of narrow down different topics of kidney stones. Anyone can get a kidney stone, but some people are more likely than others to have them. As I previously mentioned, men get kidney stones more often than women do. Kidney stones are also more common in non-Hispanic white people than in people of other ethnicities. Stones can form when urine contains too much of certain substances that form crystals. These crystals can develop into stones over weeks or months. Calcium stones are most common. Calcium can combine with other substances to form that stone. Oxalate is the most common of these substances that calcium can form with. Oxalate is present in certain foods such as spinach, and it is also found in vitamin C supplements. Diseases of the small intestine increase your risk for those stones, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. And calcium stones can also combine with phosphate and carbonate. Let's take a minute to discuss risk factors for developing kidney stones. When we talk about preparation for nursing boards or nursing exams, they really like to test you on identifying patients that are at risk for something. So in this case, identifying patients that are at risk for developing kidney stones is key to knowing. 
The biggest risk factor for kidney stones is not drinking enough fluids. Kidney stones are more likely to occur if you make less than one liter or 32 ounces of urine in a day. And other risk factors for the development of kidney stones include you've had a kidney stone before, a family member has had kidney stones, which goes back to those genetic type of kidney stones called cysteine stones. Those that have high frequency of urinary tract infection, which puts the patient at risk for struvite stones. You do not consume enough water on a daily basis, as I mentioned before. You have a diet high in oxalate, purines, protein, sodium, and or sugar. You've had or have gout. Those who are overweight or obese, which can coincide with a sedentary lifestyle, and this also goes along with men who have prostate enlargement issues, which causes stagnant urine. Patients who have had gastric bypass surgery or another intestinal surgery, kidney stones may also rise from chronic inflammation, changes in the intestinal physiology due to inflammation, surgery, or intestinal malabsorption from conditions like irritable irritable bowel syndrome. Remember, this can cause calcium to bind to fat as a result of malabsorption of the fat and leave high levels of oxalate in the bloodstream. Polycystic kidney disease or other cystic kidney diseases, which over time cause damage to the structure and function of the kidneys, are also a risk factor for the development of kidney stones. And lastly, patients who take certain medicines, such as diuretics or calcium-based antacids or supplements, are also at higher risk. Now, when we talk about the formation of kidney stones, we start with the assumption that kidney stones are forming because of one of the previously mentioned risk factors. Then, because that patient has one of these risk factors, such as dehydration, gout, hyperparathyroidism, which increases, cal- increases calcium levels, or the patient may be utilizing medications that increase their risk, the patient will have an increased concentration of minerals, crystals, or salts that can then start to stick together and form a larger and larger crystal or multiple crystals. Now, over time, you have a full-blown formed kidney stone. So when talking about the formation of kidney stones, we want to first direct our attention to the nephron, which is that functional portion of the kidney that allows for filtration, reabsorption, and secretion and produces urine. Blood is filtered through the glomerulus, which allows for electrolytes, salts, minerals, ions, amino acids, oxalates, everything except protein and red blood cells to be filtered from the blood to form a filtrate that will become the urine. After these substances are filtered and the urine concentration is formed, it passes through the renal tubules for reabsorption. If a patient has high levels of sodium or uric acid or calcium, for example, you have excess of these minerals in that filtrate. And when these minerals cannot be reabsorbed back into the body, it creates a breeding ground for kidney stones. For example, you have high amounts of calcium in the filtrate, which cannot be reabsorbed back in the body, and now it can combine with phosphate or oxalate, and kidney stones are now born. After these crystals are formed, they can become stuck in different areas of either the renal pelvis, their ureter, or even further down the urinary tract system. They can become larger to the point of becoming stuck or causing obstruction. Next week, we will talk about signs and symptoms, 
treatment of kidney stones, and prevention education for our patients. I'll also talk about nursing interventions for patients with kidney stones. I like to keep these topics broken up again, as I said before, because it's easy to go back and re-listen to the parts that need to be reiterated for learning purposes. Thanks for being here. And remember, if you love this podcast and you really want to share it with others, you can share it on Instagram or on Facebook. And also rating it and reviewing it is very helpful for others to want to come here and learn with us. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.
This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.